This is Contra Radio from Contra.scot. He is risen. Hallelujah. No, not our Lord and Saviour. Myself, David Jameson, risen from the sickbed of COVID-19 to bring you an Easter Sunday sermon. My illness made a peculiar show of Police Scotland's search of the home of Peter Murrell and Nicola Sturgeon. Watching news reports of what looked like a scoop by the digger, I couldn't be sure how much was real, how much the fever. Police Scotland established a forensics tent at the front door and bandied shovels around a garden turf which, in happier times, had been the field of dreams for a family of magpies. The raid, simultaneous to a plunder of the party's Edinburgh HQ, opened a feeding frenzy around Scotland's erstwhile ruling clique. The blood is in the water, and every newsroom in the country is desperate for their own exclusives. The SNP leadership have benefited from the attrition of Scotland's media capacity in recent years. They could now fall victim to it. Many in Scotland's fourth estate are embarrassed by the scale and pace of events and their failure to anticipate them. Until now, the SNP's financial affairs had widely been considered crank fodder. Papers and broadcasters aren't the only institutions feeling the heat. As dozens of Police Scotland officers were sent around the country, they brought with them the attention of first national and then global press and political elites. The last week has been the most significant in the history of the force. For years, questions have been raised about the relationships between Holyrood and Scottish justice. There is little room for cock-up here, and that will have focused minds at the top of the organisation. As scandal radiates outward from what was the atomic centre of Scottish public life, interests large and small are being disturbed. Every NGO and business lobby in the country will be arranging quiet chats with Anna Sawa. And honchos, if you are listening and you aren't doing this, don't let your rivals get there first. Scotland's new First Minister has already had enough. Weeks ago, he wanted to keep Murrell as party CEO, and he lavished praise on Sturgeon as he took her old seat on the front bench. Today, the erstwhile disciple denies he ever knew her, thrice before the magpie squawks. He not only criticises the party's internal regime under his predecessor, but even complains of the marriage between Sturgeon and Murrell, 13 years after it took place. He's got plenty of reasons to feel aggrieved. Allow me to quote his predicament from a recent article by my Conta colleagues Pete Remand and James Foley. Sturgeon has bequeathed to Yusuf a party racked by upheaval. A precipitous decline in membership, financial problems, police investigations, ideological divisions and a proposed pathway to Scottish independence that is now taken seriously by nobody. By the weekend, SNP party president and CEO Mike Russell, one of the last of the party's veteran leaders, was crying uncle. In an astonishing interview... He called off the second independence referendum he and party leaders had been pledging at yearly intervals since 2016. He acknowledged that the crisis was the worst his party had faced in half a century. Most humiliating of all, he held out an olive branch to adversaries like the Commonweal think tank and even the Alba party, the nationalist breakaway led by the hated king across the water, Alex Salmond. Events are moving fast in Scotland, and it usually takes a few days for all the implications to catch up with the deeds. When that analysis does come, it'll have to overcome a serious problem. To explain it, let me rewind to a few days before Murrell's arrest, 
to an exchange of columns between Owen Jones and Ian McWhorter. An avid defender of the Union in 2014, Jones was born again to the SNP, right around the time the sting went out its tail. In the wake of Yusuf's SNP leadership victory, he was among the loudest supporters. He ventured north to the pages of the National to proclaim victory, on world historic scale, against, quote, social reactionaries across the Western world, with the defeat of Kate Forbes, Scotland's finance minister until a couple of weeks ago. McWhorter, the nationalist-adjacent scribe, banished to the spectator after going off-message, hit back. Yusuf isn't just a socialist, he claimed. He's a kind of Khmer Rouge Year Zero nihilist who will not only liquidate the capitalist class, but abolish even the practice of commodity exchange. He will, quote, have no truck with capitalists, and in fact, quote, business has been cancelled already in Scotland. Thousands of years of markets and barter ended when Yusuf entered Butte House, and none of us even noticed. True, the already existing split in SNP ranks between its pale centre-right and its downright itiolated centre-left has suddenly gained more definition. Forbes and co. have formed a backbench faction, according to some in the press, and Yusuf has packed his cabinet with a prevailing sturgeon redux clique. But on all the very biggest questions of the day, war and peace, poverty and wealth, freedom and discipline, they are all but indistinguishable. This is also true of McWhorter and Jones. They are both men of the centre-left who present broadly social liberal attitudes. But in the public court, the distinction between two left liberalisms has been inflated into a gutter-damerung struggle of good and evil at the twilight of civilization. Not only is Scottish politics in meltdown, but those charged with analysing the collapse are caught in the general confusion. The problem begins with the ideological preoccupations of the liberal consensus itself. It is incapable of interpreting conflicts in society as the result of divergent class interests. The silly back and forth which increasingly occupies Scottish opinion writers about net zero and degrowth is case in point. The arguments rage ceaselessly about well-being economies and all manner of pointless slogans, while in the real world there is no economic growth and a wage recession for the majority, because actually existing capitalism can't stump up the goods. Incapable of seeing the reality of the system, past the chattering class obsession with first principles, the columnists believe saving the earth and saving capitalism depend on their words. This is compounded by the narcissism of small differences, elevated by liberal hegemony to a decisive force. McWhorter, Jones and Ross Greer, outpeddling his usual anti-capitalist bromides as things deteriorate in his government, are all, in the end, quite reconciled to the conditions of the present. This reconciliation necessarily takes the form of flaming hot radicalism with no substance, a barrage of concerns about phantom communist and fascist threats. We face a situation where political collapse at the top of Scottish society is accompanied by a mirror collapse in reasoning among professional interpreters. Since politician and scribe alike share a fundamental worldview, and indeed the same social world, this is hardly a surprise. So stick with Contour in the coming period of trial, and support us if you value the analysis we produce in which, I'm bound to say, has proven somewhat more valuable in this period than much else that is on offer. We'll see you right, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Want more like this? Subscribe to Contour Radio on our SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sign up to our regular newsletter 
at contour.substack.com and find great articles and more at contour.scot. We really rely on listeners like you to help us grow. In return, you get access to exclusive content and events by joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash contour scott. 